It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. You know, don't you just love the body of Christ? Amen. Amen. Um, don't you just love each other? That's kind of what I meant to say. Uh, I was thinking of Linda and Tom, you know. They haven't been in the church real long, but what wonderful people they are. Amen? Yeah. And last week, man, what a great time we had when that meal, wasn't that meal something? Uh, the fellowship? Did you see the fellowship? Somebody said to me, boy, I'd have hated to miss this. And I said, yeah, just look around. This is what I call the holy buzz. People having a fun time, laughing, joking. Thank you for everybody that participated in that. Um, uh, if, if we do another one of those while I'm here, if that happens, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do what we call a friend day. And everybody here, especially board members and the pastor, will be required to have friends. Come on, nod your little head, yes, amen. Yeah, I used to do friend days as a pastor. I did them religiously, and it was probably the best evangelistic tool I've ever used. Um, I've seen entire families come into the church through friend day, uh, two or three generations sometimes, police officers, um, leaders in the community, um, prostitutes, gang members. Because people like you invited your friends that were afraid to come to church. And then you tell them what we're going to do afterwards, right? And the whole morning's designed for them. And they go, whoa, that was pretty cool. I'm going back there. I'd like to do one of those um, while I'm here. That'd be fun. Friend day. Yeah. So thank you. That took a lot of work, by the way. Took a lot of work. All the leaders. Thank you. Absolutely. I love that. I didn't get to throw any axes. A little disappointed on that. Got carried up on the hot rods. And those little sliding things, those were pretty cool. Um, so anyway, thank you for being who you are, the church. You know what? And look at this. Look at this, front row. Some of you back row sitters ought to take note. We, we usually charge extra for the back seats. But look at this. Look what I get to preach at this morning. It's a pretty cool thing. And you, and you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I'm not. Some of these gals were at my, at my river this last... Well, it's not my river, but, you know, it's... And the, the, the teens came out. And they played in the river for a couple, two, three hours. Man, that was fun for Linda and me. Just to, and a couple of the moms got to hang around with us. And that was so beautiful, the relationships we get to develop. I don't take that for granted. Thanks, Mountain View, for being who you are. Well, this morning, I, I want to I, I start a walk with you. Can we walk together for two or three weeks? I got three Sundays before I hit, before we leave for Africa. Actually, in, in two Sundays, we're here for the service, and then the team leaves Boise at 5.30 for Africa. And uh, we meet in Portland uh, for our team, with our other team members. But I want to take a walk with Peter this morning and the next two Sundays. Is that okay? Because uh, what I've kind of found out is, is when you look at Peter, um, especially in a couple stories in the Bible, 
um, we learn a lot about who God is. What's your image of God? What, 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 you know, I've met a lot of people that have weird images of who God is. They, they get the, it's kind of like a designer gene. They make their own God, you know? Put a little few bells and whistles on it and some graffiti or what is it all that fancy stuff they put on back here? Huh? Tattoos. No, not tattoos. On the, on, the, on the jeans. The jeans. You know, like sparkly stuff. and Huh? Yeah, yeah, whatever you said is right. Yeah. That's the way they design their God. They don't go here. They, they go everywhere else and they design their own God. Well, I'll tell you what, there's only one God. There's only one God. And the Bible speaks of the true God. The one and only true God. And, and Peter's relationship with Jesus, if you look at it, tells us a lot about who God is, his character, his heart. And what I have found out is when you look at that, it kind of breaks the mold of what some people think God is, who God is. So I want to take a walk with Peter the next two Sundays, including today, so three Sundays. And, uh, and I want to look at Matthew 14. Now, I've never done this before, so uh, you're going to have to forgive me if I, if I goof it up. But uh, uh, let's see, where's my timekeeper? There he is back there. Uh, so you're going to help me out? Why don't you cut me off an extra five minutes early today? Okay, let's see how I do. Yeah, see how that works out for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. I do want to respect your time. So in Matthew 14, we got this incredible story. I, I know I've talked a little bit about it, Peter. At least I think I remember talking a little bit about Peter. But we've never read this incredible story together that I, that I remember. If we do, you tell me. But, man, you know, I am getting older, right? I, I, I turned 72 this summer, and I don't always remember the things that I should. Anybody want to testify? I mean, not verbally, just with an uplifted hand. I see that hand. I'll pray for you, for you. Yeah. All right. So Matthew 14, and this is the... This, this is a story that is inspired by God. God assured that Matthew put it in his gospel. Uh, so this is not here by mistake. And it's what I believe is the unadulterated, the inerrant, that is without error. It, it is the inspired, authoritative word. There's no word like this in all of the world. Amen. This is the Bible. God's one way I like to put it is it's God's love letter to us. He's telling us who he is. And in this story, we find that out. So now because it is God's word, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read it together. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We're going to take a walk with Peter as Jesus walks on the water. So uh, ladies, we're going to stand. Yeah, there we go. I know. Okay, here we go. So now immediately, uh, and by the way, this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. The context is pretty cool. Uh, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, being buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus, he went out to them, walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Anybody have a different word than terrified in your translation? What is it? Shout them out. Scared? Troubled? Scared out of their wits? What translation woman do you have? Oh, the message, of course, yes. They were scared out of their wits. Terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. It is is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me and I'll come to you on the water. Jesus said, well, come on then. Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on the water. He came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. I love that prayer. It's a short one. But I'll tell you what, sometimes short prayers are long enough. Amen. And so are some sermons, I'm reminded. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And then he said, oh, you of little faith, Peter, why did you doubt? Can you just feel this? And when they climbed into the boat and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, wow. Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over the lake, they landed at Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. And people brought their sick to him, and they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And I love this next phrase, church. And all who touched him were healed. (laughs) That's the power of our God. All who touched him were healed. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We love your word. We love being with your people. Sometimes, Lord, it moves us. It's moved me this morning emotionally. I love being with the people of God. And Lord... Watching these teens and the little ones, the children, just blessed my heart already today. I feel like I've been in church, praying with the teens and their parents and the leaders. God, being a part of the kingdom of God, being some part of something bigger than myself. God, it's such a great thing you've done for us. Now, Lord, the word, the word, um, teach us this morning, hide the messenger behind the cross, We care to see no man but Jesus, the God-man. Do your work among us, Lord, as we've already prayed. You know our needs, so speak, we pray. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, you just got to love Peter, don't you? You just got to love this guy. I I often call him impetuous Peter. (laughs) Um. What I want to say when we walk together the next couple of weeks is, I, I think, um, I want us to look at this, it's kind of a developing relationship. It's kind of like dating. You know, when you, when you start dating, a boy meets girl, uh, you know, you, you have eye contact, you, 
you kind of go, woo, what's that? And, and, and then you start being friends. And uh, after a while, um, uh, you start talking and then, then you, you go out for a Coke or a hamburger and you get to know each other better. And, and, uh, and it's a developing relationship. Amen. And then you get married. And 50 years later, well, 48 for Lynn and I, you're still developing your relationship, right? I'm a whole, I'm home, home, home a whole lot more than I used to be when I worked full time. How many of you retired folks know what I'm talking about? Now you got a developing relationship. Who is this guy I haven't seen for 40 years around the house all day? What's he doing in, in this room? How come he moved those papers? It's a developing relationship. And so here we have this relationship between Peter the man and Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And when we look at him, we begin to, we begin to see some things that, um, that kind of help us understand the character and the heart of God. So you've you got to love Peter. I mean, he, he's so human, is he not? <laughs> and sometimes he's like a little boy with childlike faith. Lord, if it's you... Call me and I'll come to you. Wait, wait, Peter, you've never walked on water before. That's childlike faith. He didn't even think about it. Jesus, if it's you, I'm coming. I don't care. I'm coming, Jesus. You've got to love this guy. Yet, uh, at other times, he displays a heart full of doubt and fear. So now he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and what happens? He sinks, right? He, he, he got his eyes off of Jesus for a moment there. And just when you think you got him figured out, you know, who is this guy? Personally, I think he's singing. Remember when we did the personality traits? I think he's singing because he was boisterous. He was loud. He was out there. He, he was just one of those guys that when Peter was around, you knew it because when he talked, he talked loud. You've known people like that, right? That's what we call sanguines. He's just out there. That's Peter. And, and so you think you got him figured out, and right when you do, I mean, the guy grabs a sword in a garden, he takes a swipe at a centurion, and cuts his ear off. Uh, there's no fear there. In fact, I, I heard one, one scholar say, well, uh, Peter, some people say Peter must have been a really good shot to do that. No, I think he was a terrible swordsman. He was aiming right down the middle of that guy's head. <laughs> he just missed. But, that, but that's Peter. He had, he had such great highs. Sanguines do that, by the way. They have high highs and low lows. They're either happy-go-lucky, or they're like down in the dumps and low. Any sanguines know what I'm talking about? Sure you do. So, um, you know, in one moment he's walking on water, and the next moment he's sinking. And in one moment he, he's boldly claiming, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in three or four verses later, the same Jesus calls him Satan. Just three or four verses later. And maybe that's what I like about Peter. I mean, he's so much like some of us. I almost said me, but I really meant Eldon. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) That's why we love Eldon. He's so much like Peter. That's going to cost me a steak dinner, isn't it, Betty? Yes, that's what that's going to do, yeah. 
this has nothing to do with you, brother, but it's in my notes. Uh, you know, sometimes I think that Peter had, you know, that, that foot and mouth disease, right? He, he always found his foot in his mouth before he put, before he put his brain in gear, right? That, that was Peter. Um, and as you, as you read these stories of Peter, you, you see this relationship develop. Um, and maybe that's what makes Peter so special, his relationship with you. You can literally see it growing. You, you can see it takes a step forward and two step backwards. Um, you see the dynamics, the emotion in their relationship. You, you mess with Jesus and Peter's going to take a sword. Don't mess with Jesus when Peter's around. But, but you find Peter alone in a garden after the crucifixion. And, and don't mess with Peter because he's scared to death. He's terrified. I think that's why I like Peter so much. Um, he's, he's just so human. And you see him warts and all. The good, bad, and the ugly. The high times and the, and, the, and the low times. But as I've said, as we begin to read this story more closely, especially this one here, we begin to see um, in this developing relationship, we learn some things about God in a powerful way. That, that move us. And, and I'm just going to pull out one of them today. Is that okay? Just one of them. Um, and and here's, here's what I want to pull out today. It seems to me, every time Jesus is around Peter, he's thinking about everything Peter can be, not what he is. Woo-hoo. Did you get that? Have you ever wanted to be more than you were? Well, Jesus is your man. Because he's not thinking about where you are now. He's thinking about where you're going to be. He's thinking about how, how he's trying to grow you. How he's trying to instill you his own DNA. That's, that's, that's Jesus and Peter for sure. Because regardless of the situation... Jesus is always more concerned about Peter's potential than he is about the moment they're in or the past failures. So when when Peter's sinking, Jesus isn't down on him. He's trying to encourage him. And I think when he said, Peter, why did you doubt me? I, I don't think it was this. I think it was like, oh, man. You had your moment. You could have been walking right with me. But I know what you're going to be. So that's the way they are. I mean, um, in verse 31, I mean, look at it. Peter's getting ready to sink. What does Jesus do? He lifts him up. And I love the visible image of this. Um, so, So Jesus is thinking about who you're going to be. And he looks in Peter's eyes and and he remembers the first time he met Peter. Remember that. His name was Simon. And, and you remember the story how he comes to Jesus. And Jesus said, you're Simon, but uh, you're, I'm going to call you Peter. Kephas, which is Peter. And then he goes into that little thing Well, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. And there's a whole play on words there about Peter and who he is in the church. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my it, It's pretty cool. Uh, John records that in chapter 1 uh, his, of his gospel. Um, 
So there's no doubt uh, Jesus believed in Peter. And, and so much so that he always, he always focused on Peter's potential. You know, one thing God does in my life is he convicts me this way. It's something like this. Son, do you see how I'm treating you? And I'll go, yeah, God, that's, that's pretty cool. And then he says, that's how I want you to treat other people. Are you with me? I forgave you, so, so maybe you ought to forgive them. Uh-huh. I, I lifted you up, so maybe you ought to lift people up. Here's something I've learned after pastoring all my adult life. Um, since 1969, I've been in some sort of ministry, I, you know, all through my education and everything else. I don't know how many years that is. I keep forgetting, but uh, it's a few. But, but, but I, I think after pastoring four churches, being an interim pastor of four churches, uh, being a youth pastor in five, one thing I've learned about ministry is in leadership, every church needs a pastor they can believe in. Amen? The pastor needs the people to believe in them. But I think more important than that is every person in every congregation needs a pastor that believes in them. Turnabout's fair play here, amen? Uh, what's another euphemism? Uh, what's good for the... Sure, goose and gander kind of stuff. Um, the reality is we all need someone to believe in us. And, and it's a beautiful thing when we do, especially if we fail and someone still believes in us. And that's what I love about Jesus here. Because if Jesus believes in Peter when he fails, guess what that means about you? He believes in you. How many of you take your failure pretty hard? Come on, put your hands up if you do. You take your failure pretty hard. I do. Yeah. Sometimes when I go home after church, I eat my words for a week. Because I say something I wish I wouldn't have said. Come on now, I'm being honest with you. Um... So, I mean, I because mean, I don't read my notes, right? I, I, I don't read my sermons. I, I write all my sermons out by hand. I don't type them. I write them by hand. So if I goof up a word, I got to go, either go back or erase or get some of that whiteout stuff. And half of my sermons are all so messed up by the time I get to church, I can't read them. <laughs> but I try to have them here and here and not just on the paper. Other, otherwise, how, how do you feed someone else when you haven't been fed yourself? So I, I look at this and I realize how God understands my own failure. And it's not an excuse for my failure. We always need to be trying to do better, amen? But the reality is when we're doing our best, boy, I tell you what. Jesus is always going to have his hand down there and say, okay, you're sinking, buddy, but come on, I'm going to help you. You shouldn't have doubted like that. <laughs> you know who I am? I'm God. I can handle this one. So, um, I, I love that. I hope you hear that loud and clear this morning. God's no respecter of persons, and if that's the way he treats Peter, that's the way he's going to treat you. So, have you had any failures lately? Um, you feel like you're sinking? Well, put your hand up there. His is already reaching down. He's... He's there. And, and therein, we see the heart and the character of God. Amen? Do you not see God here? 
Now, two days ago, Friday, that was Friday, two days ago, um, I was, uh, well, I was musing over this event in Peter's life. I was kind of struck by an image. How much time do I have? I was struck by an image. Um, at first, it, 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 it seemed a little weird to me, this image, um, a little odd, yet, yet it, it seemed true. Has any, anything ever seemed odd and true to you at the same time? So I got this image in my mind, and, and I imagine the fact that the thought came to me while I was sitting in my hot tub overlooking the Snake River, sipping a cup of coffee, um, thinking about the message, letting, letting it seep into my own life. Um, you know, as usual, there are a dozen mallards out there. Um, we got three islands in between us and the other side. Three bunch of mallards out there swimming around and the birds fluttering in the air. And this time of the year, you know, by the river, you get those bright yellow and orange breasted little, little, t- I'm not sure the name of the birds, but man, they are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, one time, one of them hit my window, kaboom, and I saw him and I look out the, and he's laying on the grass. I go out and, and I, I go, wow, he looks half dead. And I picked him up and held him. I started blowing in his mouth. I said, Linda, you know that nest that I got over there on the tractor? Bring it over here. She brought the nest. I put him in the nest and just kept blowing on him a little. Came back 20 minutes later. He's standing up on the side of the nest like nothing ever hit him. It's pretty good. By the way, that's not on my minutes. I need to keep going. I said I need to keep going. I do remember as I sat there in the hot tub, there's a shimmering blade of reflection of the sun coming off a window halfway across the river, just reaching halfway across the river. A beautiful morning. And, and, and that's, you know, that's 225 yards. So we, you know, the river's wide in these parts. And this image comes to my mind, and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of weird. Uh, what's that mean? Uh, did I mention I, was, I had French vanilla in my coffee? Yeah, I did. I... I love French vanilla. You know, I used to think I like coffee. It turns out I just really like the the creamer. Yeah. How do you let the Word of God settle into your life? Do you take time with it? Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light in my path that I might not sin against thee. I've hid it in my heart. Where do you take the time to just let God's word soak into your spirit so you feel it, you see it, you you read between the lines? And you go, well, that's not there, but I I think that could be there. Because all these stories have dynamic that we don't know about. You kind of build your own sometimes, I imagine. But anyway, here I am musing over this amazing moment in Peter's life. Any one of us would have loved to have been there. Amen? And, and all of a sudden, it, it's like someone turned on a light that dawned on me. I, I've read this story a hundred times since I was a child, probably, like you. And I've never seen this. This little gift that all of a sudden it just kind of popped up. And, and, and then I start reading the passage again, and it's everywhere in the passage. It's this little gift called grace. And the reality is I've never, I've never heard anybody preach on this. I've never read it somewhere else. It was just there, like, boom, it was grace. And, and I go, whoa. And this image pops up. And, I, and, and at first, I mean, I mean for, all right, just let me do this really fast because I'm running out of time, but... Look at the very first sentence, verse 22. Matthew says, Jesus made disciples get into the boat. He made them. Do you see that? 
I, I, I'm feeling like he didn't suggest it. Hey, guys, would you mind getting in the boat? Uh, the, the way Matthew records this, he made them. It's, it's not like he asks them or suggests. What's that look like when someone makes you do something? Well, I immediately think of my own mother. Bedtime. Boys, time for bed. Now, if you think that's a suggestion, you're wrong. You better get moving. In my household, when mom says, boys, it's about bedtime. And then, and then you keep going. It, he, he dismisses the crowd. He dismisses disciples. Um, what's that remind you of? Now, I've never been in the military, but it is, you know, Fourth of July, and we remember and honor those who have given their lives for our country. Man, this will preach this weekend. I could have put a whole sermon on this thought. It's like the military. What do you do in the military? Well, you, you, you give orders and you follow orders. Uh, sergeant dismissed. You think that's a suggestion? And here, Matthew says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He dismisses them. And now verse 22, look what he does. He, he retreats to the mountain. And you've got to ask yourself why. Well, simply to pray. So he's going to get some alone time. He's already fed 5,000 people. He's probably pretty well tuckered out. He needs some rest. He needs to reconnect with the Father. He's going to get in his own hot tub with his cup of coffee. And he's going to say, God, talk to me. I need you now. I need a resource. I need some more strength. And at first we might scratch our head and say, well, aren't you wasting your time? No, I don't think so. I don't think so because prayer is the key to the power. So look at prayer. Prayer is the work. That's what Ian Bounds says about prayer. It's not a by side of Christianity. It is the work that we do. We pray into our lives. And I'll tell you what I think Jesus is doing here. I think Jesus is intentionally directing the narrative. He's, he's directing the narrative. I believe he's setting up the stage for what? Well, I think it's grace. And I'll tell you why. Okay, look at it. The people are gone. The disciples, they're in trouble. They're in fear for their lives. The storm is raging. The storm is at its worst. And now what happens? Jesus shows up. And isn't that just like Jesus? He shows up when it's about as bad as he can get. And he puts his hand down there and he goes, Come on. Don't doubt me. Peace be still. Grab my hand. I can handle this. I kind of got a chuckle because, in a sense, for me, it's kind of like Jesus is, you know, the storm is raging. Jesus walks on the water. It's not bothering him at all. Uh, it's like Jesus is saying to Mother Nature, is this, the, is this your best shot? Can't you give me something more than this? Back off. I'm the Son of God. I've been spending time with the Father. I've been praying with Him. You, ain't, you got nothing on me. That, that's what Jesus, I, all right, I know none of that's in the Bible, but that's where my mind goes. And now I see this as a, a, a picture of grace because, I mean, these guys are fishermen. Jesus could have said, you, can I, have, I don't think I've ever used this word in, in church, but maybe, what are you going to do, fire me? Okay, so um, <laughs> Jesus didn't say, you idiots, you're fishermen, you, you ought to know better. Didn't you see the clouds forming? Get off the lake. No, Jesus set this up. He's, he's displaying 
the heart of the Father by offering grace to Peter. And then it doesn't stop there. You get to the last verse of the passage. It's like a whole other chapter, a whole other story. They get off of this shoreline. And I've always wondered, I've always wondered. I wonder if two or three men were on the shoreline watching Jesus walk down to the boat. Get, I mean, walk down to the water, walk on the water, reach out. And they're going, dude. And they had the same response as Peter, as the disciples did when Jesus got in the boat. Truly, you are the Son of God. That was amazing. Could you do that again, Jesus? <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, that's what you'd be saying. And so now Jesus hasn't even hit dry ground. And the people are madly rushing to him. And all they want to do is touch the hem of his garment. Whoa. Okay, okay. Um, so the image. I told you it's weird, okay? It's going to be weird. I'm in my hot tub drinking my coffee. Did I tell you? Yeah, I did. I told you. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this whole thing of grace. And all of a sudden, I had this mental image of an octopus. Yeah, it's true. Octopus. Can you say that with me? Octopus. Good. I just want to make sure the girls are with me. If they're with me, you all will be with me. Believe you me. Why an octopus? Well, have you ever, have you ever wrestled with an octopus? No. How come? Well, I'll tell you why. He has more arms than you do. And an octopus, every, if you were wrestling with an octopus, his tentacles would be all around you. I mean, you just get him off of your arms and he'd be around your legs. You just get him off your legs, he's around your neck. He's everywhere you are. You can't get rid of him. You're stuck with him. He's sucked onto you. Well, if that's not a picture of grace, I don't know what it is. You know what grace is? It's unmerited favor. You haven't earned it or deserved it. God gives it to us. It's a gift. It's like happy birthday every day. You wake up and God goes, I love you. I'm just going to lavish you with grace and love. I love that about our Father. And it seems to me like every time I turn around, that's what Jesus is doing to Peter. Even after Peter had denied Jesus three times. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, um, you got to be beaten up on yourself. Now, this is my translation. you got to be beaten up on yourself. I know you feel really bad, buddy, about what you did in the garden. Hang on, buddy. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Oh, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then, Peter, just feed my sheep. Just feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? Oh, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, all I'm asking you to do is feed my sheep. I'm not holding anything against you. Doesn't that feel good? God doesn't hold anything against you? That's grace. His grace is lavished upon our lives. And I know I just got through with three sermons back to back about, you know, the abandonment of God. But I also have read the verse in James that says, His mercy triumphs His judgment. I don't know about you, but I need that today. I need that more than I can say. Lord, as we walk with Peter, we need to hear from you. And Lord, I've met a lot of people down through the years who are, well, they beat themselves up probably more than anybody else. And when they begin to sink because they took their eyes off of you, they felt pretty much like a failure. And yet, Lord, you were always there the same. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And if you were that way with Peter, you're that way with us. You reach out your hand, you rescue us, you forgive us, you lead us, you guide us. All you ask us, God, is to follow, feed your sheep, love one another, care for each other, be your disciples, the Jesus follower. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. We accept today your grace, lock, stock, and barrel. And, Lord, we desire to walk worthy of it before you. So enable us, empower us, give us strength, encourage us. And, Lord, we will give you all praise and honor and glory. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.